This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle. Back once again, I'm going to be joined uh, in a moment by my co-host, uh, Dan Murphy. We spoke by phone, uh, and we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, actually, it's been a little bit of a, a slow couple of weeks here in the pro wrestling uh, world, so we're going to look back some on 2018 to talk about uh, the year that was, uh, some of the bigger stories, and, and kind of what uh, this year will be remembered for and uh, also look ahead to uh, 2019. Um, so we'll do that in just a moment. Also, we'll be talking a little bit about the death of the, the Dynamite Kid and uh, the legacy that he leaves behind. Um, and then later on in the show, we're going to hear from ROH heavyweight champion Jay Lethal coming back to the podcast. Uh, he's got a big match coming up uh, this Friday at Final Battle, one of the biggest shows of Ring of Honor's year. And he's taking on Cody Rhodes, defending his ROH championship. So we talk a bit about Final Battle, about uh, the year in Ring of Honor, uh, his second title reign, how it's different from the first title reign, um, and, and a lot more. Certainly a lot going on with Ring of Honor and uh, him as kind of the standard bearer now for the company. He talks about that. Uh, so we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, let me tell you right now about uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. The uh, latest issue, which is the February 2019 issue, features Ronda Rousey on the cover. She is the number one ranked wrestler in the first ever Women's 100, uh, taking the place of the female 50, now doubled to 100 spots, ranking the best women in the world in pro wrestling. And uh, it includes an exclusive inter interview with Rhonda. Uh, we had the audio here a couple weeks ago. Um, and there's a lot more in this issue. Um, a feature I put together about uh, Cody Rhodes and his family's legacy with the NWA Championship, uh, a feature on Roman Reigns and other stars from the past who were considered too big to fail. Um, and uh, also this issue, and this is very important, is the uh, ballots for the PWI Achievement Awards 2018. That's our next issue, and it's going to be coming out um, relatively soon. Let's see if i got a date here. Uh, Digital Edition comes out on January 10th, so yeah, uh, just a couple weeks here into the new year, you'll be able to check it out, and it's got all the year-end awards, uh, Wrestler of the Year, Match of the Year, Woman of the Year, um, Most Popular, Most Hated, everything else. Uh, it's always one of the real kind of uh, tentpole issues for the magazine, so you don't want to miss that, you don't want to miss this one, you don't want to miss anyone, so the thing to do is to go to pwi-online.com and subscribe. If you do that, uh, you got taken care of, you don't have to worry about finding the issue on your newsstand or ordering just one issue, um, go ahead and subscribe, and the longer you subscribe, the deeper the savings, so uh, a big, big discount over the cover price, it's the way to go. Um, on top of the, the year-end issue and the Women's 100, of course, we've got the PWI 500, we've got our report cards, we've got the PWI poll, um, every issue, it seems we've, we've got uh, another major project, tons of fun features, um, we're going on our 40th year now, uh, 2019 marks 40 years of, of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and obviously the, um, the, the, the history of our magazines goes back even further than that. Uh, but really proud of the work that we do and uh, hope you'll support us here in the holiday season. Makes a great gift, right? Go ahead and, and get somebody a gift subscri subscription to PWI. Um, I'm sure the wrestling fan in your life would deeply, deeply uh, appreciate it. 
Um, so again, go to pwi-online.com. While you're there, you can listen to the podcast. Go ahead and, and subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please also leave us a, a kind review if you're enjoying what we do now. Uh, December, I think, marks four years. Wow, where does the time go? Yeah, four years of, of doing the podcast here, and uh, we're having a lot of fun. I uh, hope you'll continue to support us. Um, and uh, also follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at official PWI, and uh, send us an email here with your thoughts, PWI podcast at outlook.com. All right, uh, joined right now by my co host, Dan Murphy. How are you, Dan? Doing well, doing well. I'm trying to stay warm on this uh, frigid December evening. Uh, and it's a pickle beers. I mean, I feel like every time we've gone together um, over the past year and, and after not talking a couple weeks, there's just like this backlog of huge headlines and not so much uh, this time around. And it's good because I thought it might be an opportunity um, to kind of take a look back on the air. But before we do that, there was one um, item coming uh, out today, breaking news, and that was the death of uh, the guy in my kid, uh, Tom Billington. Um, and, you know, certainly a, a pioneer um, in the sport in terms of the kind of wrestling you see today. Uh, you just didn't see a whole lot of it uh, back then. Also, kind of a controversial figure, you know, depending on who you talk to, not necessarily the nicest guy in the world, um, not a guy who we've seen a whole lot um, from over the last, you know, remember, it's been 25 years. Uh, but in your mind, what, what's his legacy? What, what, what um, does he leave behind? He, uh, Dynamite Kid, was a very influential wrestler. Uh, he inspired a lot of people. Chris Benoit, one of, of many. Uh, but he, he really, he was a smaller wrestler who was just in insanely incredible shape, um, and had a really explosive, high risk, very physical offense. And, uh, it, it's really been guys like Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles and, and things like that are much more akin, um, to Dynamite Kid than anyone before Dynamite Kid or in a lot of ways after, uh, immediately after. Uh, so his his impact is is definitely there. His influence you can see all over the sport. Um, he was respected but not really liked. Um, you know he he had a, a reputation as being kind of a bully, and a lot of that came from his own book, uh, which is a fantastic book, uh, Pure Dynamite, um, where he goes into some really awful things he had done in his life, um, which will forever kind of be part of his legacy. Uh, I mean, nothing quite as bad as is Chris Benoit, but Benoit idolized the Dynamite Kid, and, and there were definitely some parallels between the two of them. Um, so it's one of those cases, once again, where you had somebody who was just an incredible talent in the ring and, and kind of not the person you'd want to be around at all in, in real life or capable of doing some very terrible things. Uh, and that's kind of the, you know, the, the sad legacy that he leaves behind. Um, and for any for anyone listening to the podcast right now, if you're not familiar with the the Bulldogs, uh, with the Dynamite Kid, uh, you take a minute and either check out the WWE Network or even YouTube. Um, just look up one or two of the matches. I know that yeah. some of the things that are being posted, um, Dynamite Kid against Randy Savage from the first Wrestling Classic, which is really mm -hmm. the first WWF pay per view in '85, uh, underrated singles match ending ending with a. Uh, uh, superplex with both guys standing on the top rope and Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura were losing their minds because they had never seen it or, you know, at least they, they sold like they had never seen it. You, you didn't have two guys who weighed, 
legitimately 220, maybe probably less than that, uh, go out and deliver that kind of match in the WWF, which is the land of giants. And these guys are just kind of uh, breaking new ground. And, and it's really fantastic to kind of look at some of the things that Dynamite Kid and the British Bulldogs as a tag team, what they were able to achieve and, and able to uh, kind of popularize uh, decades before it became fashionable. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting uh, things also on, on Dynamite is everybody talks about how um, what a rarity he was for the WWF at the time in that there weren't people working that style. But his story also is sort of like a cautionary tale of, of why he didn't work that style. You know, um, uh, that that by the time he was 40, he was so broken down. And, the you know, you, you see now um, somebody – suffer a concussion or, you know, Alexa Bliss comes to mind has been off TV for, for several weeks or some kind of pulled muscle or, or whatever. And it is for, for um, all the, the criticism and rightful criticism for WWE for, for their schedule um, and some of the working conditions, um, they've come such a long way that, you know, again, somebody gets banged up. It's not unusual for them to have several weeks, several months off if that's what's um, required. Um, you talk about the dynamite's back. He had that bat back for, for I, I think, years, right? I mean, for he, he had uh, to be and, and just he, work he through it. Yeah, he when he lost the the tag team titles, um, he would never have been cleared to to compete. He he had to be carried to the ring on piggyback uh, yeah. by Davy Boy Smith. Right, and right. Cameras didn't, and didn't a break show that not tagging in as much. I mean, that was like the extent of of a break that you would get. Right. He, well, he was, he got on the apron and they did the thing where, uh, one of the Hart Foundation hit him in the back with, uh, Jimmy Hart's megaphone. Uh, so he was able to sell outside the ring, you know, selling his, his legitimately injured back. And, and that led to the match and, you know, the whole thing. But I mean, he went out there it, not able to take a bump, not able to do anything, but still, you know, to drop the title. And, uh, I mean, you know, in, in an era where, you know, somebody cannot be cleared or will be off TV for, like you said, Alexa and other people, uh, not knowing the severity of Alexa in particular, but for relatively minor injuries uh, compared to back then, there was a guy with severe spinal issues going out there, you know, because the show's yeah. got to go on. i got to drop the title, you know. It yeah. was just a different era. And and he wrestled for, for years after that, um, too. And, you know, I think of Andre the Giant, you know, and the documentary on him just came out, um, I guess, earlier this year or last year. And, you know, his story was another one, too. I mean, a guy who who literally um, had difficulty standing for walking and um, was on the road, you know, wrestling uh, night after night. So just um, crazy. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so I, as I said, I, I wanted to touch on kind of looking back uh, on the year. Um, uh, Harry Burkett and myself are in the process of putting together the top 10 stories of the year for the big uh, 2018 uh, year in wrestling. Um, but looking back on the year, as I said, uh, uh, Harry and myself put together the top 10 stories. And frankly, we've, we've had kind of a hard time getting to 10 because there's some overlap among some of them. Um, and there, there were a lot of really huge stories. I mean, I think a lot of what we have, um, I guess among nine now, we're still kind of trying to figure out what the 10th one will be. Any one of them on any other year would have been, um, possibly the biggest story of the year. And there were uh, so many of them um, this year. And without in too much way, I mean, this was the year that obviously you had um, the biggest star in the sport uh, announcing that he's got the Kenya and, and stepping down. You had the return of Daniel Bryan. You had the 
um, the emergence of Ronda Rousey and everything else that happened with the, the women in uh, WWE in 2018. You had All In and um, sort of the, uh, the the rise of the independence, and that's been going on for some time, but this was really the year that I think um, it became a huge, huge story, and, and that obviously led to the news of the sellout of Madison Square Garden uh, next year, um, and, and so much more, all the usual big headlines, uh, tragedies, whether it's, it's been my kid or Bruno San Martino, we lost some legends um, in, in 2018. Uh, successes, uh, WrestleMania did huge numbers, the record TV deal that, that WWE secured with Fox. Um, so a, a big, big year. What stands out um, to you um, as as the, the one thing, um, whether it's a trend or some kind of theme or, or just an event, that 2018 will be most remembered for? A good question. Um, you know, Every year in the year-end issue, uh, we the, the writers do a little short, abbreviated uh, bit of, of a, a memory of the year, something that stood out. And um, we always kind of put it out there to begin, you know, gets the, the ball rolling and who's got ideas. Everybody, you know, first one to claim the topic gets it. And um, I still haven't come up with an idea. And for me, it's because if I if I were to say, what's the biggest story of the year, the the one that I think will be remembered and and will shape the business and everything else. The Fox TV deal, I think, is certainly it. I mean, that's it, it, it made WWE a lot of money. It's going to, you know, control the, the the product for the foreseeable future and have ramifications for years down the road. Um, and, and behind that, maybe the Saudi Arabia deal. Um, but both, you know, fantastic business deals. If, if you're very interested in the the value of the stock price and WWE's long-term sustainability and and things like that. But for me, I haven't come up with a memory because nothing has really resonated with me uh, personally. Like the the whole rise of the women's movement for having done a book on the history of women's pro wrestling. uh, I've been very interested in that. Uh, Certainly that the Roman Reigns uh, leukemia announcement was, was heartbreaking. Daniel Bryan's return was inspiring. Um, but nothing has really just made me stand up and, and say, yes, this is why I watch wrestling. Nothing has really stood out for me. Um, so I don't have like a, a great memory that I can think of yet. Um, but I, I think certainly the biggest stories are, are those two with uh, WWE's business with Saudi Arabia and with the Fox deal. Yeah, yeah. And it's worth mentioning just in terms of enjoying it this point, this is also a year that um, had a, a number of matches, mostly coming from New Japan, that were heralded as, as potentially the greatest uh, of of all time. With the uh, the thing the, is, when when you have so many things that are the greatest, this is the greatest match. Yeah, we talked about this. Champa, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Gargano and Champa had had this amazing match, and every NXT takeover seemingly has like the next match that you right. have to see. Andrade, Cian Almas, and and Johnny Gargano. Uh, Kenny Omega is breaking the the Meltzer scale. He's getting seven point yeah. five scar stars. Yeah. But but the thing is, there's just so many that after two I would two months, three months after each match happens, it, you kind of forget about it because you're already onto the next thing. Nothing's yeah. got that that long term. And, and going back and doing some of these uh, year end awards that I'm doing and, and doing some of the write ups, it's hard to remember some of these things that even just happened five or six months ago. It, it feels like ancient history. Yeah. What's the best match you saw uh, in 2018? 
I don't know. Uh, it, it might have been um, Gargano and Almas. Yep. Uh, that's definitely up there. Uh, it could have been Omega, uh, Okada. Um, and if I really wanted to kind of go with a dark horse, two dark horses, uh, one's not that dark because it was at WrestleMania, but uh, the Ronda Rousey debut match um, mm-hmm. was, was very well put together. And then a, a dark horse was uh, just a couple months ago I was at in uh, Brogan, Illinois, and saw the 75-minute women's Ironman match uh, with Mercedes Martinez and Tessa Blanchard, which was much better than I expected it to be going in. Um, Yeah, so uh, I don't know. One of those four would probably be the one I'd choose. Yeah, yeah. The one you mentioned, uh, Amos and and Gargano, would would be mine, and it came in the first month of the year. And for for all the terrific matches that um, came in the year, I didn't see anything that – you know, whether I could say it's a better or not better, nothing that I enjoyed as much as, as I enjoyed that. Yeah. I do think um, on, on any given year, we're, we're going to come up with our top ten stories, and very often, you know, it would be about a breakout star or an incredible event or, or a tragedy or something like that. I do think one thing that will make 2018 um, uh, unique in particular is how many of these stories – are about transforming the business, right? So it, it's um, they they're more than just sort of a big story. They really speak to um, kind of a place and time and 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 the changing of history. And and um, in, in a number of ways, maybe the biggest that you touched on was the Fox deal, uh, where it it really completely changes like these fortunes for for um, the next several years in terms of the revenue that's coming in. But what's fascinating about that is that it comes. Uh, at, at the same time, where on the other kind of side of, of the spectrum, um, there's also evidence of a, a changing media landscape, right? So you, you see, um, uh, like All In and uh, a number of other promotions moving to streaming and streaming becoming a more viable way of uh, presenting wrestling. Uh, and then yet, you know, the biggest financial deal of the year was a straight up, you know, kind of old school television network deal. Um, so those things are kind of at odds, uh, with each other. And, and the other thing is, you know, women's wrestling this year. And, and, and my memory, um, was that I picked for, for the year end uh, issue was about going to, to evolution. And, uh, it was here in my local arena, Nassau Coliseum. So it's kind of a no brainer that I would go, but, Frankly, I wasn't all that enthused. I mean, I was sort of a little um, ready to be kind of underwhelmed by by the whole thing, um, and and I wasn't totally buying the the hype of this being this kind of landmark moment in in women's history and and all of that. Uh, then I got there and, and I remember seeing all the little girls dressed as Ronda Rousey and, and Nikki Bella and. Um, with their moms and clearly, you know, a lot more women in the audience, um, than usual and just such a great vibe and such a sort of like a, a celebratory vibe and a really just hot, fun crowd. And it really did feel like I was at something special. Um, and so that was really cool. I and mean, it really did feel like it was kind of a turning point. Um, and that, you know, coincided with Ronda Rousey, who, who, um, a couple of years ago was one of the biggest stars in, in all sports, uh, not only debuting in WWE, but really taking to it, uh, being, you know, calling her a breakout star would be an, an understatement. I mean, I don't, I don't know 
since I was going to say Kurt Angle, but even Kurt Angle had a number of years um, um, working in um, WWE developmental territory before he debuted. Vonda just came out of the blue and was just an absolute natural in the ring. So um, that's a great story. Um, Becky Lynch is a great story. The first women's Royal Rumble, the first women's pay-per-view, the first women's elimination chamber. Uh, so I, I do think that um, we've been hearing, you know, Divas Revolution, Women's uh, Revolution for, for years. This feels like the year where it, it really took hold and, and it became uh, more than just kind of uh, a, a slogan or a propaganda. And uh, I do think a lot of it had to do with Ronda Rousey. That's definitely a big part of it. Um, there is, if I follow different wrestling message boards too much, like I, I mean, because they can be toxic, you know, it's mm-hmm. any kind of meeting place of any internet, you know, corner of the internet where there's message boards, whatever. But um, what I've really noticed, uh, particularly over the past four months, five months maybe, is um, no one's talking about the men anymore. Uh, yeah. people are talking about Ronda Rousey. They're talking about Becky Lynch. They're talking about Nia Jax. They're talking about Tamina. They're talking about what's going on with Bailey and Sasha Banks and how come they're not being pushed the way they should. They're talking about Alexa Bliss. They're talking about, and it's not the message board fodder of two or three years ago or even a year ago where it's, you know, wow, this wrestler A is, is hot, whatever, or whatever. It's it's really invested in the storylines and the characters and the stories that the women are telling. Um, and none of the guys are real. I mean, maybe Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Uh, even Daniel Bryan has been kind of lukewarm uh, since his return. He, he kind of faded out, and he's getting a little bit of, of um, an edge since, since going heel and, and winning the title. But the guys are kind of losing the audience. Um, and it's the women who are, are driving the, the show right now. Old shows. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and part of the story of women's success, certainly late in 2018, I, I think you touched on it. It, it, it really, um, is sort of interwoven with, um, I don't want to say the failure of the men, but, but just the fact that, uh, at, at the same time the women are, are really kind of burning hot, the men are very lukewarm, you know, and, and, um, they sort of complemented each other in that way. And part of it is Roman Reigns, right? I mean, when you lose the biggest star in the sport, and they seem to be kind of in this holding pattern where they're not exactly sure who the next guy is. And so at the same time that there there isn't a clear uh, top star among the men, you've got a few among the uh, the women. Because even before, you know, Charlotte was was a, a bona fide headliner, top act, um, at, at a lower level than, than the others that we've seen, uh, but but a real star and what's the daughter of, of the greatest wrestler ever lived, um, and she was already there. And then you got Ronda Rousey, and then out of nowhere you get Becky Lynch. So now you have these three um, acts who all of them are are bona fide uh, the top stars headliners, and it, it's sort of reminiscent of. The Rock and Steve Austin coming at the same time, and also at the same time that there was DX and and the Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but but you have like these once in a lifetime stars, and you got two of them at once, and that's kind of how. I mean, I don't want to overstate it too much. I'm not saying Ronda or Becky or any of them or Steve Austin um, and The Rock, but in terms of you know uh, not just one breakout star, but but a few. 
Um, and looking ahead to, to next year, you know, the, the talk was it was going to be Ronda and, and Charlotte. And then the talk was it was going to be Ronda uh, and Becky. Um, I wonder if they do a triple threat. I actually don't think it would be the worst idea in the world, considering the, the star power of all three of them. Uh, so uh, maybe this is a, a good a place to go with, with the conversation. Is, so so uh, now putting aside 2018, looking at 2019, what what do you have to look forward to? You know, is it um, what what do you think 2019 is going to be about? Well, here's here's the the thing. We're in the transitional period of time right now. Um, the Fox TV deal is is part of it. Um, Roman having to vacate the title um, and, and really kind of there being a vacuum at the top of the card on Raw um, and even SmackDown. Um, AJ Styles is. Um, He's carried the ball for the entire year, but he's getting up there. You know, um, he, he may not be around or, or be able to be used in that kind of capacity three, four, five years from now. Uh, and Daniel Bryan, you know, thank goodness he's in great shape and everything is good, but uh, you always have to worry about him, you know, another concussion, another injury, and, and he could be on the, the shelf. Um, although that goes with anyone really in, in this day and age with uh, the way the concussion protocol has been. Um Anyway, it's kind of a transitional period of time, and I think the business is just waiting to see what the post – once the Fox TV deal starts up, uh, what the business is going to look like and who's the top star. Uh, whether we hold out for Roman Reigns to make maybe make a comeback, whether it's John Cena and, and have him for another three or four years until he can crown somebody else, my big fear – is that it'll be another year of the status quo of just let's try to make as much money as we can. Let's trot out The Undertaker for a few big shows. Let's bring back Triple H. We can still get Kurt Angle out there, you know, and, and just in lieu of really making the investment and, and settling on that next star that you want to push, just bringing out the big names and, um, you know, galloping them out there one more time. Um, because until they make that, they're, until WWE's back is up against the wall, and this is traditionally historically accurate too, um, it wasn't until after Hogan left that WWE or WWF then uh, decided to really kind of give the opportunity to Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, two guys who were really considered too small to be main eventers, too small for the the you know uh, the the world title picture. And all of a sudden, you had this kind of new era of younger, faster uh, wrestlers. So we now look at as Hall of Famers. Uh, WWE didn't want to do that. They were pushed into that position. Um, now we're in this position where WWE is seeing dramatically lower TV ratings, house attendance is beginning to go down, but they're wildly profitable. So there's no sense of desperation. Yeah, yeah they could push as many people as they want from NXT. You can bring up Gargano or Ciampa or Alistair Black or, or a bunch of other people. You can really get behind them. But they're making boatloads of money by bringing back Shawn Michaels and Triple H and the Brothers of Destruction and just kind of going that way. And uh, as long as that's the case, I, I don't think that WWE is going to make a big change. And that's why I think in a year from now I'll, I'll have the same challenge of trying to think of a memory that really stands out because yeah. nothing really does anymore. Uh, another memory I could have shared uh, in, in the magazine um, 
was from backlash. And one of the reasons I didn't is because I actually forgot it. So it's the opposite of, of the memory. Um, <laughs> but, but after, uh, weeks after, uh, uh, I went to WrestleMania earlier this, this year and then I actually went to the pay-per-view right after that also, backlash, which was, uh, in Newark, New Jersey. And I remember, uh, AJ Styles and Nakamura was on that show and it was a card that, uh, match a lot of people were looking forward to. And then I think there's a couple other matches that people were, were looking forward to. And they headlined with Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns. Um, there was no title on the line. There wasn't even much of a feud to speak, um, of. And Roman Reigns was probably as cold as he had ever been. I mean, he was just soundly rejected, um, in, at WrestleMania. And then they came back with, with this match and the place was uh dead they were booing um every moment of, of the match every moment of, of roman's reigns uh, offense and it wasn't that like we're having fun here kind of booing they clearly were, were disinterested uh, a lot of the fans were just leaving during uh the match and i remember uh reigns got the spear got the pin and that was it and um you know, right as the bell rung, before the cameras um, turned off and, and the show went off the air, I remember Roman Reigns posing at the corner, doing his little pose, and the building is, like, almost completely empty at this point, and everybody's just filing out in droves. Um, and it just, I, it, it was such a, um, it was so telling of, of how kind of, like, tone-deaf this company is. Um, you know, yeah, so, if you really look at this year, you you had, uh, on one hand, AJ Styles, who had the belt for over a year, the, the WWE Championship, and he headlined exactly one pay-per-view during that time. Did he headline one? Was, I'm not even sure he did. It was, I think it was Fastlane. It was, it was one of these lesser pay-per-views, but it was a six-pack challenge. Oh, so yeah. It wasn't yeah. even a one-on-one match or anything along those lines. Did that but close that show? That did, yeah. That was okay, the main event. Right. Yeah. So, um, but the thing is that he, even as the WWE champion and having the tied for the eighth longest, uh, championship reign in WWE championship history, um, he was an afterthought. He was, yeah. he had less, uh, main events than Braun Strowman, than Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar. Um, and that's, uh, again, the fans were behind AJ Styles. The fans loved AJ Styles, but WWE wanted to tell a different story and, Again, that that inability or unwillingness to listen to the fans is just frustrating. Yeah, yeah. And then the other, you know, one who, who tells that story is, is Becky Lynch in kind of a different way. You know, she was the one that, um, you know, the fans were cheering for him. He kind of reminiscent of, of Daniel Bryan years ago. And it, it's not that WWE didn't get behind her because they did. I mean, at, at the same time that the fans were cheering it um, for her, she, she was getting a made of portion and the, the title and all that, but it was just sort of the stubbornness of, we know what we're doing, you know, um, that kind of thing, uh, relax. And, and, and to their defense, I don't know that they got it all that wrong, um, in, in that if it wasn't for the, um, the, the kind of heel turn that, um, fans somewhat rejected and, it, you know, that gave the, the fans opportunity to, Really, kind of be vocal about what they wanted in her, and if they if they never made that turn, I don't know that the uh, fans. You know, I I don't think Becky Lynch would be where she is today were it not for um, some kind of happy accidents. You know, um, if if 
WWE, if they left her babyface, as the fans seem to have wanted um, earlier in the year, uh, I don't know that she'd get as hot as she is right now. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the lesson there is when you've got something, whether you planned it or not, go with it, right? And when, when, when it's – and that was the story of, of Steve Austin, and it was sort of similar at the time because if you remember when, when Austin was really, really kind of taking off and getting really hot, it was kind of the same thing where they were – they had him in the heel role that at this point the fans didn't see him as a heel. Um, but right. the WWE, which is kind of holding on, holding on, uh, and at some point just kind of went with it. And I do feel that's kind of where they are right now with, with Becky Lynch, so, so that's all good. But there's a lesson there. You know, sometimes, you know, you don't spit this stuff. It just kind of takes care of itself, and, and you you got to go with it. Yeah, in, in, in those cases, you've got that benefit. I, I remember the Steve Austin example. At uh, it, it first, when Steve Austin came in, he was managed by Ted DiBiase. He was the ringmaster, Steve Austin. It was just a terrible gimmick, but he still kind of wrestled, for the most part, the, the same style. Um, and he was good. He, you you could tell he was good. He had the presence. He had the charisma that, that was lacking. Um, and I remember when they had him lose Savio Vega. Savio Vega at a pay-per-view with a stipulation that, you know, if he lost, he would be fired from the million-dollar corporation or right. he would lose he Teddy Biasi. Yeah, was that the, the pay-per-view? It was In Your House, Beware of Dog 2, which I watched recently, mm-hmm. and, and 2 because the first one, they actually did the same match on two different nights, but in the first one, they... Was, was that when the power hours, went out? Remember? Yeah, yes, so the match yeah. Dark. Um, oh, man. But, but they didn't have the stipulation for the first match, and then when they... Did the rematch a couple of nights later and they added the stipulation that, that yeah, did I remember at that time just being so furious. It's like how how can you have a guy with this much talent like Steve Austin, this much potential, and you're you're driving him out to Savio Vega? What are you, what are you doing? But what they ended up doing, and whether it was intentional at that time or, or not, they had to break him apart from DiBiase. They had to set him up as this this uh, a lone wolf outsider and and let him develop into what he became. Um, in that case, you can look at it and say, wow, it was a brilliant move having him lose to Savio Vega and part with Ted DiBiase and, and kind of do that. I, I think, like you said, it's kind of that happy accident. But you yeah. just have to recognize when it's happening and, and turn into it rather than fight it the way that WWE often seems so determined to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the happiest of accidents this year was very literally an accident, uh, maybe, um, and that was uh, Nia Jax's cold cocking, Becky Lynch blooding her up, and that that visual of uh, Becky with her bloody nose, um, mouth part, you know, covered in blood, um, probably maybe more than anything else, really kind of put her uh, over the top. So, yeah, and to their credit, I do think that was a moment where WWE sort of said, all right, we've got to go with this, you know. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, you know, in, in 2019, wherever those opportunities arise, I hope they've got their, their eyes open and their ears open and their minds open to in, embrace that when it comes along. Um, it's tough, though, because, I mean, in wrestling, you do need to plan ahead. You need long-term yeah, uh, booking. And, and you should be looking ahead at WrestleMania certainly by December, I mean, if not earlier. Um, so your, your storylines make sense. But the way that fans can react and, and react on Twitter – I mean, something could happen on a random episode of uh, of Raw or SmackDown in February uh, that catches fire. And if the fans don't see it reflected at WrestleMania, then, you know, they, they can turn on it. So 
you have to have that long-term booking strategy, but you also have to have the flexibility to uh, to kind of adjust based on, on where the fan base is. And it's a difficult balance to strike, especially yeah. for, you know, somebody like WWE, a company like WWE that's helmed by not a young man who's uh, adept at social media, but an old man who's been, you know, stuck in his ways, doing it the same way for the past 40 years. So yeah. it's, it's a difficult challenge. All right, back here uh, again, and want to thank Dan Murphy for joining me um, on the podcast. Um, we hope to be back in the next couple of weeks to talk about TLC and any other news uh, developing. Uh, so hope, hoping to get one more show in before the end of the year. Uh, right now, I want to go to my interview with uh, the current two-time Ring of Honor heavyweight champion talking about Final Battle uh, coming this weekend. It's Jay Lethal. But still, we're in the holiday season, so you've got uh, that to celebrate. Uh, this is true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm a big fan of Christmas. Huge. Is that right? What do you usually do? Uh, well, the last couple of years have been different, but um grew up with a family of six kids uh, my parents had. So every Christmas, one person would dish out all the presents from under the tree. We'd all sit around, open. it's like it was a big to-do for my family, uh, which is why I actually feel... Um, not sad for uh, kids who are the only child, but it was man, I I wouldn't have traded that big family for anything. It made yeah. every holiday uh, instantly awesome. You, you said it, it's been different the last few years. Can I ask why yeah. that is? Is it just being an adult? Yeah, yep, mainly being an adult. Yeah. Uh, plus, now I live in Tampa, Florida, and my family's kind of spread out now, so. Uh, Christmas just isn't what it used to be, but um, most Christmases I make it back to hang out with my parents. Not yeah. all the kids return. Uh, some of them have their own kids now, so it's always a little tougher. But uh, yeah, I just I always think back to those classic Christmases where we're we're all in the living room, surrounding the tree, yeah. excited to open the presents, man. Yeah. What a holiday. I- I spent one Christmas in Florida, and it just seemed wrong. Everybody well, in shorts, and it's like, you know, 75 degrees outside. I know you grew up in Jersey, and that's what right, it's supposed right. to be like, freezing cold, Correct. fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say my first Christmas here in Florida it was definitely weird. I mean, it's not the same uh, decorating outside, putting Christmas lights on a palm tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so when when final battle comes around, um, are you always happy to be back in the Northeast and, and oh, yeah, your area? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels like um, wrestling right in my backyard. You know, um, final battle I, every year we're right in my backyard. But the one cool thing is, you mentioned my birthday, which is in April, um, and I get a little birthday present in April when Ring of Honor uh, returns to New York for our big event in Madison Square Garden. Supercar G1. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. So, so there's a, a, a lot going on. Oh, yeah. um, so let's talk about the 2018 and, and you know, a, a big year for Ring of Honor. That that bit of news came. You were part of some big shows all in. Um, yeah. Now, here at the end of 2018, a lot of the headlines seem to be about who's leaving Ring of Honor. Um, so, you know, where does that put you as, as kind of a leader of the locker room, obviously um, a, the, the, the champion? Are you concerned over the state of Ring of Honor? Uh, Any time 
someone is leaving, I'm always concerned because um, each wrestler in our locker room puts their heart and soul um, into everything they do for the company in hopes to grow the company to make it bigger than it was yesterday. Um, therefore, everybody in the locker room becomes a vital puzzle piece. Um, it's very sad to lose a puzzle piece um, which has happened numerous times for Ring of Honor. Uh, but the cool part about Ring of Honor is it always finds a way to pick up and continue. I mean, if you got to make your own wrestling promotion, could you imagine losing CM Punk or AJ Styles? Well, it happened to Ring of Honor. Could you imagine losing Samoa Joe? Well, it happened to Ring of Honor. Uh, but yet somehow they were always able to pick up and move on, not because they found a replacement, uh, because some of the guys who leave are irreplaceable. Um, they just find a new piece to add on to the end, and uh, we just pick up and move on. So sadly, like you mentioned, some people, it's up in the air whether some people are going to be staying or leaving, and that's always sad. But um, as the Ring of Honor world champion, um, I, I love the company. I love Ring of Honor. I love what it stands for. Um, I'm not going anywhere. And it's cool to be the world champion uh, leading the charge going into 2019. But uh, it could be on a somber note because we could be losing some of our uh, valuable puzzle pieces. Yeah, yeah. And, and you say you're, you're not going anywhere. For, for you and other people who are sticking around, what are the feelings towards the guys, whether it's, it's this group that's rumored or, or others in the past, who move on? Do you, do you, is there ever any resentment towards this, these guys? Um, never, no. never, never, never. And we take them back in a heartbeat. I mean, if you told me Roderick Strong was coming back to Ring of Honor tomorrow, I'd be one of the happiest people in the world. Um, I, just, I mean, they've, they've put so much work and their bodies on the line to help build the company. Um now, I don't handle any of the business side. I'm just speaking from one of the wrestlers in the locker room who shared the ring with anyone from the past or present, um, and there's never, ever any resentment. Um, we would welcome anybody back with open arms. Yeah. and and we'd, We're sad to see anybody go, you know? Sure, sure, yeah. And you seem pretty definitive in saying you're, you're not going anywhere. Uh, can you talk a bit about that, and, and why is that? Is it... Is it um... Do you feel at home there? If, if you finished your career in Ring of Honor, would you be okay with that? I would be. I would be. I, I feel right at home. Um, the company has given me so much that it made me the face uh, of a company which is known around the world for its wrestling. Um, whenever I have an idea or an opinion, um, it's like they stop everything to hear my opinion. That's what every wrestler dreams of, my dream position. Um, and I, I'm happy with everything that I've gotten to do and everything that's on the horizon. Um, and also, Ring of Honor, is, it's not just a stepping stone anymore. It's a destination yeah. uh, for other wrestlers out there, which is how we even began working with Cody Rhodes to begin with, uh, him just throwing his name out there uh, because of where he came from. Other wrestlers around the world would love to wrestle and love to come to Ring of Honor. That's another cool part about it. Like I mentioned, it's not just a stepping stone, which a lot of guys may have thought it that way years ago, but now it's it, it's definitely holding its own. I mean, we got to sell out without even having the show yet. 
uh, Madison Square Garden, um, which the little kid inside of me is jumping for joy that I'm going to be working in Madison Square Garden. But, uh, yeah, the company as a whole and the wrestling business as a whole was doing very well, I, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you you talked about sort of uh, being the face of the company. Um, and was there a moment where that kind of sunk in? That um, holy cow, you know, I'm I'm the guy. And I know now you've had this, this title a couple of times, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, make you uh, a, a locker room leader, right? It's about more than that, and to some extent, it's about having some years under your belt, some seniority. But was, was there a moment where you felt that, like, you know, um, I'm I'm the head of this locker room? Oh no. Um... You feel that way now. No, no. Although, you know, some of the guys come to me when they have questions, not that I've assumed this locker room leader role, um, because to be honest, uh, I think when I see our locker room, I think I put us all, all on the same level. We're all trying to, one, live our dream of being professional wrestlers and making a living out of it. Uh, and two, we're all here to make Ring of Honor. Uh, as big as we possibly can make it. And that puts us all on the same page, whether you've been wrestling for 16 years or wrestling for one year. Every one of our wrestlers on our roster goes out there um, and they give it everything they've got just um, to, to further the the name of Ring of Honor. So um, never once have I viewed myself as the locker room leader or... <laughs> Man, no, I just I don't I don't think of it like that. I just I like to think that we're all on the same uh, playing field and we're all on the same level because we all got one goal in mind and that's to make Ring of Honor as big as we can. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when, it is nerve wracking holding that belt though. I will tell you that <laughs> because uh, it's so many times I've been a little nervous um, going into the main event of a wrestling show. Um, as the world champion, knowing that the crowd has already seen uh, Jonathan Gresham, who is one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. They've already seen the Young Bucks. They've already seen Adam Page. Uh, I mean, they've man, it's they've already seen Bully Ray, uh, the Briscoes. How do you follow these guys? Marty Scroll. Uh, now we have a Jeff Cobb, who's the new TV champion. How do you follow all of that? Um, so it is a little nerve-wracking, and uh, I think the pressure actually helps me. Um, cause it makes you force you to dig down deep to bring out something, you know. But uh, yeah. it's definitely nerve-wracking, I will say. How is this um, uh, world title reign different than your first one? Is, is it just oh, man. being back on the bicycle, or, or is there something about this one that makes it different? Well, I'm trying to make it different. <laughs> Every artist uh, wants, you know, the second movie to be better than the first, the second song to be better than the first song. Uh, and I'm trying my hardest to do something that makes it different or equal to or better um, than my first title run. Um, I think it's too early to tell whether or not I'm doing that or not. I, I can tell you it's extremely different because the first title run, uh, I was the bad guy, you know, um, I was in a group called the house of truth this time. Now I'm, I'm on the opposite side. I'm now the raw rocket guy. Um, no group, uh, all by my lonesome. So, uh, 
on the surface, it's two different things, but uh, it's still too early to tell whether or not I'm successfully. And I think the only one, the main one keeping track is me. I, I so desperately want um, this run to be different and as good or equal to the first run, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. think I put more pressure on myself than than possibly the fans do. I'm not sure. Is it more pressure when you are the the good guy? Um, because yeah, maybe it shouldn't be yep. this way, but basically no. harder to elicit that kind of reaction that that you want as as a, a good guy to get really yes. get people to it's, really love you, right? Right, it is, it is, and I don't know if it's this weird thing right now where if you are a cool enough bad guy, you're instantly loved. Yeah. Um, it's almost like, you know, the, the good guy has been forced down the fans' throats for years, and now they're rebelling. I mean, the rebellion started years ago, um, but it's still going now. So it's much tougher to be the rah-rah good guy, in my opinion, just because uh, a cool bad guy almost trumps everything. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like like fans have a genuine affection for you, and that's something that, um, I mean, you always were, were popular and had your fans, but it seems like it's crossed over in the last couple of years into something else. And I think part of it is sort of like graduating and becoming that elder statesman where it's like, this isn't the new guy anymore, right? This guy's been around. He's sort of the wise old, old guy, um, and and it, it becomes something else, right? Right, right, and they've they've also most of the fans of Ring of Honor are smart. They watch every almost every product out there, so most of the fans have seen the evolution almost of Jay Lethal. They've they've seen my Black Machismo character. They've seen me do the Ric Flair thing. They, I mean, they've seen me do it all. And um, what I'm guessing is an it's an appreciation to be able to do all that, but yet still be able to. Um, actually wrestle. I know some people may not deliver as well when it comes to the wrestling, but they can do the other stuff. And I'm hoping that what they're admiring is this, what I'd like to think of myself as a total package. I can almost, you give me any role and I'll try and knock it out of the park, which is essentially what every wrestler tries to do. I just, hopefully I'm doing really well at it. Maybe that's yeah. what they've seen over the years. And um, hopefully that behind me the way they are and I hope it never ends because I really do try and uh hit I mean I feel bad when I say it as if other wrestlers don't do it we all try to hit home run every time we go out there um some just try harder than others I guess yeah you mentioned uh black machismo and I remember I think interviewing you some some time back and talking about how it it took a long time to get fans to uh, kind of put that in the in the past and accept it for something else. And then <laughs> right. there you were in one of the most high-profile shows of the year this year at All In, um, uh, bringing the character back, at least for part of the match. Um, was did, did that take a lot of, you know, sort of like soul-searching, whether I really want to do this, whether I want to go back to this? Uh, I, I will tell you the hardest part about it, and there's a there's one main reason why I did it, uh, before I tell you the main reason why I did it, the hardest part about doing it was I didn't want to diminish any way, in any form, uh, having the Ring of Honor World Championship. Because at the time, I was a Ring of Honor World Champion, and I didn't want anyone to think um, any less of the Ring of Honor World Champion or Championship because I was 
uh, going to be doing the Machismo character on, like you said, one of the biggest wrestling shows uh, ever. Um, but the main reason that I did decide to do it was, if you noticed from top to bottom, and it was done on purpose, of course, because it was a show run by the wrestlers, you know, um, from top to bottom, any one of those matches could have been deemed the best match that anyone's ever seen. Any one of those matches could have been a main event on any show around the world. Um, and I knew that going in, that every match would try and top the last. So I instantly tried to think about what I could bring to the table that none of those other matches could. Um, because I, I always like to to stand out. I want people to leave a show with some of the best matches in the world and how would I get them to remember mine um, and not for any negative <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Um, and that that's, I thought that uh, bringing back the machismo character uh, was something that only I could do. Um, and the fans really reacted well to it. I mean, the fans in attendance, I don't know how the fans at home perceived it. But I got some uh, good reviews on it, but uh it was it was the one thing that I knew that only I could do. Um, that was my main thought process behind doing that. And and uh, Lenny Papa was there for that, right? He, he was. Oh yeah. man, he was. Was that your How idea? Was that? Uh, it was a combination of my idea and the Young Bucks idea. Um, mm -hmm. And not only that, Lenny actually bought one of the Macho Man's actual jackets for me to wear. Oh, wow. oh cool. So the yeah, the jacket that I wore at All In was. Uh, legit, Randy Savage is one of his jackets, which is, I'll never forget that. Was that your first time uh, meeting Lenny Papa? Oh, no, 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 no. I've met him plenty of times. Uh, I've known him for years. Yeah. Um, so we, we've been good friends for years. So he, no, uh, that wasn't my first time. What, what, has he sort of given his blessing, for, for lack of a better word? For He gave for me, Lenny gave me his blessing oh, maybe eight, nine years ago. Um, mm -hmm. and they actually spoke, he got me to speak with his brother before he passed away. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, wow. That's great. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Randy never watched on TV, but he did pull up some of my YouTube stuff and he, he was a big fan, but no one's a bigger fan of my material character than Lanny Poffo. Yeah. He actually, I saw impact posted on, on, uh, their Facebook, I think, uh, maybe it's yesterday. It was yesterday, but it was actually the anniversary of Randy's last match, which was in what was TNA. Um, you know, if you want to call it a match, I'm sure you remember it. He just didn't want to I at just, the end. Yep. Um, were, you, were you with the company at the time? I was not, and I was brokenhearted that I came in I came in right after that. Really? I, wow. I just missed him. I'd never met him face-to-face. -face. I talked to him several times on the telephone, but I never got to meet him, even though I lived in Florida, um, and I... The first time I talked to him on the phone, I didn't believe that it was him, um, because of course I'm I can do a great Macho Man impression. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. other people can do more like Randy than Randy. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure other people could do one too. So I didn't yeah. I didn't fully believe that I was talking to uh, the real Macho Man on the phone um, until Lanny confirmed it for me. <laughs> then I was like, oh man, I guess I had so many questions that I should ask. Then I bothered him a few more times on the phone, but uh, well, unfortunately, I never got to meet him face-to-face. -face. 
did you hit him up for actual advice as, as a wrestler? And, and was there something that he shared with you that, that you really took to heart? No, no. Um, I felt that I was pestering him on the phone. <laughs> the conversations really didn't last too long. Uh, yeah. All did it hurt when you get bit by the snake? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good story about that is Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm sure. Uh, he's got a great story about the that whole incident with the snake. Um that's another cool thing. I really feel like uh, I mentioned being the Ring of Honor world champion. I really feel like throughout my whole career I've just been extremely lucky. I've been in the right place at the right time and luck has been on my side. I've gotten to do some things that People in this business only dream of. Um, I'm main eventing in New York City um, in about a week, live on pay-per-view. Um, I mean, that in itself is something that wrestlers out there aspire to do. Um, I've just been in the right place at the right time. I really feel like luck um, has been on my side. I mean, I never set a goal to meet or talk to the Macho Man or any members of his family to wrestle with Kurt Angle live on pay-per-view, to wrestle Ric Flair, uh, to become the world champion of a company. Wrestling. I've just been just so lucky, so yeah. lucky. It's un- unreal to me. Yeah. Well, luck is only part of it, right? I mean, it's also hard work and talent and, and everything. This is true. Happens. This yeah. is true. Luck can get you so far, but you got to have the skill to back it up. Sure. Um, but but you, you definitely need a bit of luck, and uh, yeah, I've yeah. had a, more than my fair share of luck. Yeah, and um, another huge star that you're going to be wrestling is Cody Rhodes, right? At, at um, Final Battle, Correct. Um, you're talking a guy whose whose influence really transcends um, Ring of Honor or or any promotion. He's become uh, a real newsmaker, and I think one of the more influential um, personality figures um, in the business of the last, you know, 10, 15 years in, in terms of, of um, what he's accomplished in right. and, and even more so outside of the ring. Um, what's kind of your take on, on you know, what, what Cody has done over the last couple of years since leaving WWE? Uh, I mean, I would call it nothing short of genius. Um, everybody dreams, uh, well, not everybody, but every wrestler dreams of, of having or being in the position that Cody Rhodes is in. First, if you, if you make it to the WWE, um, then congratulations. Uh, it's not a very easy thing to do. But uh, to, to willingly leave there and say, you know, I'm not being used to my fullest potential. I'm going to show the world that I, I've got more to offer. And then you actually go and you prove it and you do it. I mean, it's it's a dream position for any professional wrestler and I, I feel like he hit a home run and um, it was a genius move uh, it could have totally failed uh, but he he got very lucky and he had the skills to back it up once the opportunity presented itself so um, I, I think he did he is doing and did a fantastic fantastic job thus far yeah, you, you mentioned uh, uh, it being the dream of of most wrestlers to make it to um, WWE. Does, does that uh, is that the case for you? And and that you uh, you haven't yet is that something that you dwell on? Does it make you sort of question? Is there something wrong with me? Is there something that I'm not doing or or anything I, like that? 
actually, uh, most of the people who get into the wrestling business from my generation, most of them, not all of them, um, they're getting into the wrestling business because their love for professional wrestling was shaped by watching the WWF programming. Um, and so if the opportunity presented itself years from now, because I gotta say I'm much, I'm happy where I am right now, but if at some point the opportunity presented itself for me to get to work for, even for a second, um, work for the company who actually started my love for professional wrestling, that would be cool, but it's not a bucket list checkoff list for me. Um, I, I had a conversation years ago with my dad, and he said, you know, you have made it in the wrestling business, whether you realize it or not, whether you've hit whatever mark or goal you've set for yourself. People around the world know you. You've got to live your dream. You're a professional wrestler. You have an action figure. You were in a video game. You travel the world. You've you've done so much, uh, and in my eyes, son, you have, you have made it. Um, and it wasn't until a few years ago when I had that conversation with him that I actually agreed. And I said, you know what? You're right. If if I had to stop wrestling tomorrow, uh, there'd be no regrets for me. I, I wouldn't regret not trying this or trying that or trying to work for this company or trying to work for that company. Um, I, I, I'm extremely happy with everything that I've gotten to do. And if it ended tomorrow, I'd be extremely grateful that I had the opportunity to to accomplish everything that I've gotten to accomplish. So if yeah. my career finished here in Ring of Honor, I'd be okay with that. More and, than and okay. Kind of going full circle. I mean, I think that's one of the things that, that Cody helped kind of bring to the forefront, right? That this you, is right. not only do you, do you not have to work to, for WWE to uh, find fulfillment, but you don't have to work in WWE to be a big star and to fill arenas and to make a whole lot of money. Right, uh, right. And, yeah, you know, so. I, I made this joke before. Um, most of the wrestlers from my generation thought that in order to wrestle uh, or in order to work in Madison Square Garden, you had to do one of two things. You had to either, A, work for the WWE, or you had to, B, fill out an application for a job at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm going right, yeah. right. I'm going to wrestle in Madison Square Garden without doing either one of those things, um, yeah. which is unreal. It, it, not only does it prove that wrestling business as a whole is booming and is doing well, but it proves that Ring of Honor, uh, along with New Japan, is doing something very special. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the, the stories of 2018 is, is how so many of those walls came down, right? I mean, I think right. about... Um, you know, Austin Aries uh, holding titles in all these different companies and, and working for, for different companies at the same time. I know you guys right. have, have done that, and, and it feels like this was the year where a lot of the, the traditions and, and the rules of wrestling kind of went out the window. For the better, right? Yeah. 100%. 100%. That was said yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Do you see the Garden thing as a one off, or, or is your hope, your expectation that this is the beginning of something? Um, whether it's, it's the garden or it is, um, you know, a, a big arena, the, the, the Staples Center or uh, wherever, the Allstate Arena, um, Ring of Honor and other wrestling promotions coming to the, the big arena near you. Well, I can, uh, I can see both sides. I can see the, uh, 
Worst case scenario, it's a one-off, and I've gotten to work in Madison Square Garden, so I can die happy. <laughs> and uh, if it if it is a repeated thing uh, with other promotions, then I mean, the wrestling business, like I said, is, as a whole, is going to be even better. Um, and it would be awesome to to do bigger arenas if 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 the fans were to show up. You know, yeah, that's yeah. another. You got to hope the fans show up too, right? Um, yeah. So I, I can see both. Um, I mean, fingers crossed, of course, that it's not just the one-off. But if it is, I can die happy, man, knowing that I worked in uh, Madison Square Garden and, as and a professional the, wrestler. Right. And, and that's the cooler thing about that show coming up. It's not just that you're working in front of Madison Square Garden. It's that you're going to be in front of a sold-out Madison Square Garden. right? Because I know I know when you were in TNA and Impact, it wasn't unusual to, to book an arena, even for a big show, and you get there and – I imagine it could be disheartening if, if it's pretty correct. far from full, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, um, yeah, but the, a packed garden is that's that's something. Oh yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, I'm still Ring of Honor World Champion by then. Because how cool would it be to say that I was the Ring of Honor World Champion going into Madison Square Garden? Would be something. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Best of luck on that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. I, I appreciate it. Um, best of luck uh, with uh, Final Battle and, and certainly the Madison Square Garden show. I hope to be at both. And, um, yeah, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thanks for the time. Merry Christmas to you, too. Happy holidays. Okay. Take care, Jake. See you.